now it's time for part 14 of Two Line Terry, the story of the remarkable Scottish singer and whistler, Terence McCrooner, who had many hits in the 1940s, 50s and early 60s with his short two-line songs. It was now 1960, and Terry hadn't had a hit for over two years. He began to attend the Church of Jesus Chris, the Church of the Missing Consonant. where Jesus' mother, Mrs. Chris, took a shine to him and followed him wherever he went, chattering incessantly. Terry felt uneasy about this, particularly when she broke into his house. He wrote a song, which marked his chart comeback. Mrs. Chris came to my house. She's one hell of a talker. She stole the stems from all my flowers. I think that she's a stalker. <laughs> Mrs. Chris continued to pursue Terry, and he began having to spend his life on the run, moving around Scotland. This inspired the number two hit song, The Runs. Run, 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 run. She chased me through St. Andrews. Run, 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 run. Across to Octo Buckley. Run, 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 run. She tried to abduct me. Then I knew what to do. I am off to Timbuktu. After a short stay in Timbuktu, Terry returned feeling very depressed. He went to the doctor for medication. However, the stalking and break-ins to his house continued and Terry wrote this haunting ballad, Bathroom Cabinet Theft. Mrs. Chris broke into my bathroom cabinet. She jimmied the lock. I know not how. She stole my Antidepressant pills. I hope she's happy now. <laughs> Without the stolen pills, Terry's depression continued, and he soon began to have psychotic episodes too, and started thinking he was a piece of luggage. Psychiatrists said he was the strangest case they'd ever seen. <laughs> if your mum and dad go to work every day to earn enough money to pay the bills and there's no one left to look after you. And your mum says, oh, blooming bloody, what are we going to do with her now? <laughs> and at first, your nan did used to collect you from school and that was nice because she did give you chips for a snack and take you to bingo. <laughs> but then one time she did forget to come and get you because she drink too much of her special nana's medicine. <laughs> And she did fall asleep in front of the telly, snoring and doing a big blow-off. <laughs> and the school did have to phone your mum and say, if you don't come and get your daughter, we will put her in the orphanage with Tracy Beaker. 
So now your big sister has to collect you and bring you home. And instead of helping you with your reading book, she does phone up her scary boyfriend with the face tattoo and a spike through his tongue. <laughs> when they go in your mum and dad's bedroom for a nice quiet chat. <laughs> and sometimes after school you can go to your friend's house, what does have a grumpy teenager from France, what lives with them and looks after her and all her brothers. And the grumpy teenager is called a hoe pair. And she's a bit scary, for both one time the whole pair did light up a very big long cigarette what smelled a bit of cat wee <laughs> and, and, and say to us, If you tell your mum and dad, I will actually kill you. <laughs> and then your mum did tell your dad to collect you from school and give you tea when he is on an early shift. And he did give you five pounds and say he's just going to pop out to the pub with his mates for a quick half and don't tell your mum. But he does not say if it's for a quick half an hour or a quick half a night. <laughs> and when your dad is out, then you can go on Amazon and buy a nice new sofa and 110 iPads. <laughs> and when your mum gets home, she is furious. But your dad says, what's the problem? When I was a kid, I had a front door key round my neck or I could just go round and stay with my neighbour. But my neighbour next door is called Ganja Gary. <laughs> and when I did knock on his door, he just tried to sell me a little bag of icing sugar. <laughs> and then your mum gets all worried and says she will have to pay for a childminder. And your mum complains because they have to pay the childminder lady more than my mum gets paid. And she says, I wouldn't mind having that job looking after you. <laughs> And I think when I am grown up, I will be very good at the childcare job because I know what little children like. They like a nice cuddle and a bedtime story about some kittens. I'm joking! They want the childcare to give them a taste of their beer and let them stay up all night watching Netflix. And that is what is childcare. It is. It's true. <laughs> And finally, in the interest of security, please contact a member of staff if you see any unattended bags or something suspicious or if something doesn't look right. See it, say it, sort it. Tickets, please. There you go. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, I I'm just wondering... Yes, sir? The announcer just then said to inform a member of staff if you see something that doesn't look right, you know, see it, say it, sort it. Yes, sir. Quite right, sir. Well, I mean, it's, it's probably nothing. Well, best to hear it, sir. There's a couple in this carriage over there, a um, woman with the red jacket. Hey, yes, I see them, sir. Well, she's tall and very good-looking and sounds quite posh, you know, well-to-do. Yes, sir. But the guy she's with, and, and they're clearly a couple, he's so sort of scruffy and a bit, well, rough-sounding, you know, quite short as well. Yeah. Well, they look mismatched. I mean, it just doesn't look right. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Yes, I do see what you mean. Yeah, well, I'm glad you agree. I, I, I didn't want you thinking I was meddling. Leave it with me. Thank you. Ah! Yeah, yeah. Know, so funny. Yeah. Yes, uh, excuse me. Sorry to bother you. All right, yeah. So, yeah. is there a problem? Well, it's been pointed out that you, as a couple, look really rather mismatched. An unlikely couple, and I'm afraid it just doesn't look right. Yes, I know what you mean, yes. Lenny's rather punching above his weight. Well, exactly. <laughs> yes, but it does make me laugh. It's a bit of a cliché, I know. And uh, he's up to us, surely. Well, yes and no. We do have to think about our other passengers. So, what do you suggest? Would you mind splitting up? 
What, sit separately like? Oh, I suppose we could, yeah, if it helps. No, I mean actually split up. Stop seeing each other. I think it would make everyone else feel more comfortable. Well, OK, I don't want to cause any eruptions. No, no, that wouldn't be right, no. Well, no. I mean, please, take a couple of minutes to say goodbye. Well, then, it's been fun while it lasted. I'll see you round, I suppose. Yeah, wash your girl. <laughs> oh, thank you, madam. Uh, there are seats in the next coach. Lovely, thank you so much. Thank you. There you are, sir. That's all sorted. They split up now. Oh, excellent. Thanks so much. <laughs> Not at all, sir. Anything else that doesn't look right, just you speak up. Yeah, well, I, I, I couldn't help but notice that man over there with the green anorak. Yes, sir. He's got terrible teeth. Mm. <laughs> yes, I see what you mean. We'll book an orthodontist at the next station. <laughs> and could you mention to that nun at the far end that I don't think reading Fifty Shades of Grey with such... <laughs> Obvious enjoyment is quite suitable. I'll ask her to wipe the smile off her face for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Not at all, sir. Seen it, said it, sorted, sorted it. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm Frank Hovis. I was an only child, partial only child. I had a half brother. Well, half a brother to be exact, just the bottom half. <laughs> And as if that wasn't bad enough, not only did he not have a top half of his body, but he was dyslexic as well. <laughs> so at school, Half, that's his name. Half <laughs> wasn't very academic, and you might not expect this, but he was very popular with the ladies. Not much of a conversationalist, but... Well, I'll just tell you that his nickname was Tripod and say no more than that. <laughs> when I got married, he was my best man. And for the best man's speech, I choked up just thinking about this. For the best man's speech, he taught himself how to talk out of his arse, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, it wasn't a great success. It started, started to go wrong straight away when he stood up and cleared his throat, so to speak. <laughs> that was a bit unpleasant. But he'd started, so he finished. Didn't go down well. In fact, my new father-in-law summed it up, really. He said to me, Frank, mostly, that was crap. <laughs> well, let's move on, because one day, Half crossed the gold without looking. How could he? Didn't have a top half of his body. Anyway, he was knocked over. A woman called 999, which is a peculiar name when you think about it. <laughs> anyway, she phoned for an ambulance, but it took too long. By the time they'd got there, he'd been eaten by foxes. It was grim, ladies and gentlemen, it was grim, very, very grim. And all I've got to remind me of Half is one photograph of him that I took. It's not a very good photograph. He's sitting behind a desk and... <laughs> That's right, you can't see him at all. <laughs> but I knew he was there. I knew he was there, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep it at that. Good night. Uh, are you ready to order, sir, or are you waiting for someone else? No, it's just the two of us. Me and Dad are doing some quality time, aren't we, Alan? Yes, father and son bonding is so important. Yes, yes, and does your child want me to bring the children's menu? We have chicken nuggets or burger, both the chips. You can speak to me, actually, and I'm not a child. He's four. I'm four and three quarters. Sorry, Jack, four and three quarters. Yes, uh, my, my mistake. Uh, sir, what would you like to order? Uh, all of the beetroot and squid salad, please, and then the sea bass. Excellent choice, sir. And for your not-child? I'll have the four 
foie gras. Right, one foie gras. No, I said foie gras. Yes, yes, I understand. It's pronounced foie gras. Uh, we don't like to force pronunciation on him at this stage of his development. <laughs> we like him to find his own path. Yes, that would be a good idea, yeah. <laughs> In that case, one foie gras. And for the main course? I'd like the Chateaubriand Brian D steak. Chateaubriand, of course. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. One Chateaubriand Brian D steak. <laughs> it's usually a dish for two, sir. Oh, I'll have the Chateaubriand as well, then. The which? <laughs> the Chateaubriand D as well. Tattoo Brian D for two. And how would you like your steak cooked, Jack? No pig. I hate pig. So we need it well done. Oh, uh, the chef won't cook it well done, I'm afraid. Let me speak to him. I think chef's rather busy just now. Mm, what a shame that chef can't take the time to speak to a young child. I'm not a child. Sorry, Jack. You know he could lose a potentially long-term customer. Is that a promise? <laughs> <laughs> what sort of restaurant is this? Award-winning. Uh, just a warning, sir. Chef can be volatile. I heard that, and I know what volatile means, actually. We're working very hard on his vocabulary. And I could be volatile too, tell Chef. Yeah, Jack, the nice man is merely trying to do his job. Trying? Trust me, I am doing my job. <laughs> I'll bring some water. And a banana and chocolate milkshake. Oh, dear, I've got a funny feeling we're all out of those. Can't the so-called chef even do a banana chocolate milkshake? Well, we could go and ask him, I suppose, if you want to come this way. Thank you. Oh, Better just hang on out here a second. Um, is, is everything all right in there? Uh, it's just chef letting off steam. You know, somebody probably dropped a spoon or spilled a couple of peas on the floor. Right, are you ready to go into the kitchen, Jack? Actually, how many chicken nuggets do you get? <laughs> Yes, I think about nine or ten. No, I think I might go for that instead. And some water, thanks. Are you quite sure, Jack? Yes, leave it, Alan. <laughs> well, at least you had a choice and you've made up your own mind. It's so important. Oh, do shut up, Alan. <laughs> We have one item on today's Stony Bridge Council agenda. <laughs> and it's a pop festival. Oh. Like they have at Glastonbury. Oh. And we'll call it, and I think you'll agree, this is a stroke of genius, and we'll call it Glastony Bridge. <laughs> Burry. Is that what passes for genius round here nowadays? Well, think of something better then. Okay, what about a couple of pints in Morag's Bra? Ah, Morag's Bra. Scotland's most popular spelling mistake. <laughs> yes, later perhaps. Ah. In the meantime, we need to discuss how we're going to out Glastonbury, Glastonbury. This could really put Stonybridge on the map. Are we not already on the map? We are, Bobby, yes, but this could put us on the map in bigger letters. Oh, bigger letters than the yets of Muckert have got. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, well, that's good enough for me. So where shall we have this festival? What about Old MacDonald's farm? Uh, no, he sold it. Old MacDonald had a farm. <laughs> he 
Aye. He? Aye. Oh, he had a farm. Aye. Uh, and on that farm, he had some cows. All right, all right. <laughs> so old MacDonald doesn't have a farm anymore. Now, a question. What'll we do about all the drug-taking? Drug-taking? Well, I certainly won't be taking my drugs. <laughs> Tell me that. I'll be hanging on to them. Get hip, Daddy-o. I'm talking about people smoking bongos. <laughs> Having a spiff, all that marijuana. Did you say marijuana? That's a good idea. She's a lovely-looking woman. <laughs> I went out with a woman once. Oh, eh? Get you. What was her name? Keith. <laughs> Keith? That's an unusual name for a woman. Hi. It was an unusual woman. <laughs> now, what about the bands? Oh, I've heard the Rolling Stones are very good. Okay. <laughs> I've just thought, how are the Rolling Stones going to get to Stony Bridge? Obviously, they'll get the train to Bridge of Dune, but how will they get from there to here with all their equipment and everything? 69! <laughs> well, it's a charming thought, Eck, but no thanks. <laughs> the bus! The bus! Of course, the 69 bus! The Rolling Stones could get the 69 from Bridge of Dune via Dune McKeekin and on to Stony Bridge. <laughs> And all their equipment can go in that space for the wheelchairs. And it's a regular service. Two buses every other week. <laughs> Problem solved. Right. Here's to Glastony Bridge, Burry. Glastony Bridge, Burry! Burry! And now on Radio 4, a new series of Millennial Matters, where we meet members of the generation who are changing the way we think. This week, UK star blogger Susie Twip. Um, actually, I'm more of an influencer than a blogger. Uh, OK, can you explain the difference? OK, so not all bloggers are influencers and not all influencers are bloggers, but the important thing to remember is that while most bloggers are considered influencers, the majority of influencers are not bloggers. So, like, an influencer is the one who can influence, and a blogger can be an influencer as well if people get influenced after reading the blog. <laughs> OK. So you're an influencer with a blog. How many followers does your blog have? Oh, it depends what you mean by blog, because there's like three tiers of blogs, like micro, macro and mega. Mega bloggers have big blogs called cool names like Fashion Junk or Street Peeper or Style Clicker. What's your blog called? Wear this expensive shit. <laughs> and what do you post on your blog? Mainly loads and loads of pictures of me wearing expensive shit. <laughs> Thank you, Susie Twip. Susie? Oh, God, sorry, yeah, yeah, I was just taking a picture for my Snapchat story. Picture of your face? Yeah, my resting think face. So what were you thinking about? That it'd be really nice to have a real unicorn as a pet. <laughs> Thank you, Susie Twip, style influencer. Blogger, I'm actually more of a blogger. <laughs> the 4th of April's a special date. It's always my birthday. But I now find I'm forced to share it, much to my dismay. I got sent a reminder in that internet way. The fourth's not just my birthday, it's International Carrot Day. I had no idea there was this thing, and although I think they're great, I've always eaten carrots without the need to celebrate. I googled up a website, found that it was true it's carrot day and that's not all it's vitamin c day too it's also walk around things day but best of the lot for all you rodent lovers 
It's World Rat Day, I kid you not. There isn't a date we can't celebrate, a case we can't embrace. There isn't a sport we can't support, a fruit we can't salute. I guess you gotta say we got carried away. There isn't a day, there isn't a day. I trawled through April, finding more and more designated days. Grilled cheese sandwich, adopt a ferret, there's a hug a plumber day. Bulldogs are beautiful, hairball awareness days, all these days are there. There's an international toupee day for those of us without much hair. Administrative professional day, I'd give that one a miss. National Urinary Catheter Day, someone's taking the piss. <laughs> International Safety Pin Day, please give me a break. There's even a Garden Pond Day. Oh, for duck's sake. There isn't a day we can celebrate, a case we can embrace. There isn't a sport we can support, a fruit we can salute. I guess you gotta say we got carried away. There isn't a day, there isn't a day, there isn't a day. And now, with his late-night bedtime musings, it's the Reverend McMinn and Thought for the Hay. Hello. Uri Gagarin, Nabokov, and even theatrical stultifier Anton Chekhov are all Russians I would like to meet. Unlike Rasputin, Stalin, or the unthinking man's Mick McManus, Vladimir Putin. <laughs> and one more for that ever-growing list is the gentleman I espied at my local Minimart. Between soup concentrates and luxury preserves, I was on the prowl for a pastor sell-by date Lauren Sausage Four Square Bargain, and a buy one, get one free multigrain torpedo. <laughs> this crouching Cossack was on his phone, speaking in his native tongue with his back to me, and was clearly spraying something into the corner of the luxury preserves. My mind raced to Novichok, an unlikely tourist in Salisbury, Throwing caution to the wind and not having my Haskem suit to hand, <laughs> I improvised by hiding behind an opened clear dome umbrella <laughs> and advanced upon the Russian affront. <coughs> Hold hard, you Moscow mule, I said. You may have to answer to the world's second worst despot, but the spirit of 60s floor scrubber Molly Weir courses through these veins. <laughs> So one more puff with that sprayer and your chocks will not be Novi, I can assure you of that. <laughs> At this point, he turned round, smiled and revealed himself to be none other than oligarch extraordinaire Roman Abramovich. Still smiling, he then proceeded to point his spray at my erected clear dome. <laughs> Well, at this point, restraint took the Volgograd Express and, sadly, the red mist descended once again. <laughs> Suffice to say, should you ever want to taste lemon curd tomato soup fusion, then grabbing an infection-obsessed oligarch by the crotch, it was a hand sanitizer, as it turns out, 
and throwing him headfirst into the far corner of my Minimart will produce the dirty dab. <laughs> the good news is Mr. Abramovich does not bear a grudge where a commercial opportunity arises. And with perhaps a slightly higher voice than we have come to expect, <laughs> he is pitching our Jammy Soups concept to Baxter's and Cross and Blackwell on Monday. Good night. <laughs> Now, Mr. Gilhooly, before we start the test... <laughs> has there been any change in your eyes since the last time? Uh, no, still got two. <laughs> uh, one on the left and one on the right. So, why have you come in today? Well, I was on the motorway yesterday and I saw a sign that said, check your eyesight. So I thought, I mean, if they've gone to all that trouble to remind me, <laughs> you know, I, I probably better go. Right, let's just have a look then, shall we? Can you place your chin on the rest there? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, do it now, please. Oh, I've got you. Right. Uh, tell me, what's the first letter on the bottom line? It's, uh, I think it's a J. Very good. This is pretty tough. Keep going. Uh, followed by an M. That's right. Then, is it a C? Well done. An L. And finally, I think it's a V. Very good. Oh, correct. Uh, now we'll try the left eye. OK. Same chin. <laughs> Same chin, yes. Same chin, right, uh, right. So, uh, can you read the bottom line with your left eye? Let's see. Oh, right. it's, uh, it's J, then M, then C, L and V. Well, that's surprising. Historically, your left eye is weaker. I know I'm quite pleased, yeah. Mind you, you didn't change the letters, so I just sort of remembered that it was J-M-C-L-V, you know. Well, can you actually read the bottom line? Well, I don't need to, I can remember it. <laughs> yes, I know, but if you had to, if you hadn't seen the line before. Oh, OK, so now I've got to pretend I don't know the letters are J-M-C-L-V. Well, just clear your mind. Right, OK, I'll forget it ever happened. Your mind's clear? Completely. Apart from the letters J M C L V. Can't you just pretend you haven't seen them before? Okay, let's have a look. I think the first letter is. I mean, this is just a complete wild guess. Because <laughs> I've, I've never seen this board before, but I think the first letter might be a J. That's correct. Oh, great. I'm really pleased about that. And then looking at the second letter afresh for the first time, like. I'd say the second letter was an M. OK, OK, stop there. You're just doing this from memory, aren't you? Well, maybe a wee bit. And, and to be fair, if this was a memory test, I'd be squishing it. <laughs> but it's not a memory test. It's really about your eyesight, not about how well you can pretend. Well, I think it's about your board. Why not change the letters every time? I, I can't tell if I can read them or if I'm remembering them. Actually, Mr Goodley, that's not a bad point. Sorry? <laughs> Well, maybe we should change them every time. It's not a bad point. All right. No one's ever said that to me before. <laughs> could I get that in writing, please? But could you make the letters big? Because my eyes are <laughs> short, you know. The Absolute Pink Radio Show is written and performed by Pete Bakey, Moana Banks, Muggy Hunter, Gordon Kennedy and John Sparks. The producers were Gordon Kennedy and Gus Beattie and it's an absolutely Gusman production for the BBC. <laughs>